Broadcasting live from the North Fulton Business Radio X studio, it's time for To Your Health with Dr. Jim Morrow. To Your Health is brought to you by Morrow Family Medicine, an award-winning primary care practice, which brings the care back to health care. Hello and welcome to another episode of To Your Health with Dr. Jim Morrow. I am Jim Morrow. I'm a family physician in North Georgia. I am with what is now Village Medical in Cumming in Milton, Georgia, and I've uh, been doing this podcast for a couple of years, I guess now, and it has gotten to be more and more difficult to come up with topics. So I've asked on several occasions, and I've gotten a few, if you would send in topic ideas, if you have a thought, if you think of something that might be a, a good topic for a podcast, something you're curious about in medicine, then uh, if you would send me an email at toyourhealthmd at gmail.com. Amazingly, toyourhealth at gmail.com was already taken. So toyourhealthmd at gmail.com. I would love to get that. That would be great. And here on this Wednesday, the 13th of July, I am in my office studio, which I've been using since the pandemic started. And John Ray, my producer, looks like John's back at the... uh, Business Radio X North Fulton studio. I am just ended up in the studio today. Not at home. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. And you're back from a trip and had a great time. Yeah. Back from Alaska. So wonderful. Yeah. So it was, it was spectacular. I can't recommend the sheriff in Juneau and asked him if he'd keep you, but he didn't do it. (laughs) I barely escaped. (laughs) Yeah. I barely escaped, but I, I'm sure, I'm sure they would send you back. They would send you back paid uh on delivery take take so, good mosquito spray really yeah oh oh, oh yeah they don't well, grow them advice. as that's always good advice they don't grow them as big but there are a whole lot more of them are there really mm-hmm. i wonder if there's a particular time of year when that's not the case i don't think it's ever not though. the case because it's really yeah because it's a lot of water around there so and from what i experienced last night on the deck don't go to blue ridge if you don't have any good <laughs> mosquito spray either luckily we have a exterminating company that does that. And I wouldn't be able to use the outside if it wasn't for that. So that's not what we're going to talk about today. So we're, we're going to start off in a little bit, but I wanted to say something about you guessed it COVID. I've been doing this at the beginning for the whole pandemic, I guess now, but I, I had an experience this past weekend with a patient notified me uh, that he had come down with COVID and he was wanting to know what he should do. His wife had come down with COVID two days earlier, and she had gone to urgent care. And at urgent care, she was tested. She was pretty miserable, flu-like stuff. She wasn't any danger, but she was pretty sick. Fairly young people. They're probably 45. And she left urgent care with a prescription for antibiotics and steroids and ivermectin. And they also sent Paxlovid, Pfizer's new oral medication for COVID, to the drugstore. So they did one thing, right? But it, it just alarms me that physicians today, even after learning what you have to think everybody has learned about this pandemic and about viral infections during this pandemic, that antibiotics are not going to do you any good, especially at the beginning. Now, you might end up with a bacterial infection because you had a virus thing. That's always possible, but not at the beginning. And they gave her steroids, and we learned very early on that with COVID, you don't do steroids until the second week because that's when they're really necessary. If you do them early, you can get in trouble. And then ivermectin, finally, a study was out probably three weeks ago, I guess it's been, that showed that ivermectin does not treat COVID. 
which I don't know whoever dreamed that it would, but it doesn't. And then they gave, they also sent to the store a prescription for Paxlovid. And I took Paxlovid two months ago when I had COVID for the third time. And I got well pretty quickly. I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but I did take it and got well. And the only bad thing was it left a horrible taste in your mouth. But the pharmacist told this lady that she didn't think she ought to take the Paxlovid because she had heard terrible things about Paxlovid. So between physicians that don't seem to know what they're doing and pharmacists who can be downright dangerous, you really have to be careful. And I do hope that folks have a trusted primary care provider of some sort somewhere. And I don't care if you're listening to this podcast in McCook, Nebraska, find yourself a primary care provider, family medicine or internal medicine that you can trust and communicate with. And hopefully it's somebody that has some sense and won't give you ivermectin for COVID. So that's all I'm going to say about COVID today, because I am truly up to here with COVID. And I think most people are. But I met a young lady about a week ago. I've known her mom for many years. Her mom is a pulmonary doctor here in Cumming, Georgia. And I met Pallavi Ganta, who is here with us today as a guest. And Pallavi had a terrific story about what she's doing. She's a senior at Denmark High School right here in Cumming. And I've asked her to come on. So Pallavi, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm tickled you would do this. I think this is a wonderful thing that you're doing. So to start off, tell us and our audience something, just a little bit about yourself, and we'll get to the nonprofit you started here in just a minute. Okay. Um, Like you said, I'm a senior at Denmark. Um, I've always been interested in volunteering in healthcare. Um, I have an older brother. Um, Some hobbies of mine are just some places I've kind of spent my time recently, especially over the past two years, is um, hanging out with my friends and family. We really like doing road trips because of COVID. We really like doing road trips in national parks and hiking and exploring Georgia. And I like doing piano and, like I said, volunteering. And I've been volunteering at nursing homes and hospitals. And especially during COVID, it's been a kind of a nice place to spend my time. I did not know you played piano. That didn't come up when we talked last week. Classical or pop, or what do you play? Well, my piano teacher teaches me classical, but I've been playing piano at the nursing home, so I'm trying to learn music that they prefer. So, <laughs> Old people like me. We do prefer something besides classical, although it's absolutely Oh, yeah, brilliant. like jazz, Beatles, and just really classic, or not classical, but classic popular songs. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, and you mentioned road trips. Did you make it to Yellowstone before it got flooded this summer? Have you ever been to Yellowstone? Yeah, we went to Yellowstone last year, Yellowstone and Grand Teton. Um, my dad rented like a Sprinter van. And mm-hmm. so my family and another family like got into that. And we drove from Salt Lake City to um, Grand Teton and then to Yellowstone. And it was great. There's so many bison there. I have a horrible story about my mom, but I don't know if I should share it about her right now. Oh, we can edit it out if it's really terrible. Go ahead. We'll tell her we edited it out and we won't. We were in Yellowstone and we were like backed up for like three hours and nobody knew why on the road. And so my mom, well, almost everyone except me, 
and my uncle who was driving, they got out of the van and they were walking down the road and I was just sitting on my phone. And then I like see them running back and bison are following them. And they're my mom, who, my brother and my dad are pretty tall. So they're like sprinting away. And my mom is like trying to find other cars that will take her in so she can avoid the bison. They're like stampeding down the road because there's a ranger honking at them from the other side, but she made it in. So she's good. So. I'm glad she made it. That's awesome. That's awesome. And you'll have to pay, I'm sure, for that later. So just remember that you you deserve whatever happens, I'm quite sure. So you started, did the blog come before the nonprofit? No, the nonprofit came. Okay, so let's talk about the nonprofit first. So tell us about this nonprofit that you started and, and what that's about. Yeah. So um, like I said, I was volunteering at nursing homes. And also at the same time, I was volunteering at the Good Samaritan Clinic um, in Atlanta, which um, provides health care to patients who don't have insurance um, and can't afford a lot of health care. And so and also my mom, who's a pulmonologist, she deals with a lot of CPAPs, BiPAPs. You know, I've heard all of it from a long time growing up. And so one of the residents at the nursing homes um, unfortunately passed away. And I saw her um, CPAP. A lot of them use CPAPs and oxygen tanks, the portable oxygen tanks. And um, her CPAP, along with her other stuff, was t- getting taken out and talking to the activity director. I, it was getting thrown out. And it was just like at the same time, I was also volunteering at the Good Samaritan Clinic where like a CPAP is like so hard to come by, um, even if it was just in any working condition. Um, it's just really difficult to come by. And so we kind of made the connection that if we could just kind of connect these resources, we could fill a gap from slightly used medical equipment um, in any condition um, could be donated to the Good Samaritan Clinic and help a lot of people. I think that's absolutely wonderful. I'm I'm shocked that somebody in high school is doing that these days. It brings back a lot of faith in the future, I have to tell you. So what sort of equipment can be donated to help to breathe? What are y'all looking for? Um, well, mainly CPAPs and nebulizers, especially with the shortage going on with um, CPAP supplies. Um, those are our main two equipment, but also just expensive medical equipment like walkers, um, yeah, walkers, wheelchairs, um, breast pump, like anything that would just service the, um, patients at Good Samaritan. Sorry. There's so really any durable medical equipment at all. Yes. Okay. Cause you're right. I mean, a lot of times people do have that and if people that ha- use those things are very often not doing well from a health standpoint and they do pass away. And then what do you do with this? And certainly the kind of thing you've started is better than throwing a CPAP away or anything like that. Now, when we talked a week ago, you said that you were getting or looking for oxygen tanks. Now, if you get an oxygen tank and folks, these are the three foot long round oxygen tanks that are on wheels, not the six foot tall ones that nobody can move. Uh, but if you get those, do you have a way to get them filled again? We haven't gotten actually an oxygen tank yet, but um, we have respiratory therapists um, 
who have been working with us closely, they've been helping with the CPAP machines. Okay. Um, but that's a possibility, I, probably. Yeah, Dr. Morrow, when it comes to oxygen tent, for now, we don't have a place to store. So things have been stored in Palavi's room. Um, so trying to store an oxygen tank is going to be hard because oxygen is flammable. Right. So we have to make sure that we don't we keep it in a place or, you know, when we know if somebody has and when we know somebody needs it, we have to find out a home health agency right. saying that hey, I've got some free tank and maybe patients can be charged a little less and mm -hmm. figure out some details at that point. I think storing oxygen tank in any facility is going to be uh, challenge. Yeah, yeah. And this is Dr. Usha Nayak, who is the pulmonologist, Pallavi's mom, who's a pulmonologist here in Cumming. So thanks for jumping in on that. I appreciate that. I wasn't aware of all that. But I think this is great because so often people just don't have coverage, or if they do, even the deductible sometimes can be just unreachable. So that's really good. Now, from a CPAP standpoint, you mentioned that CPAP supplies were difficult to get right now. And I think that's true for CPAP machines also. Why is that right now? Um, well, partly because of COVID, there's supply chain disruption. So it's hard um, to get access to them. So they're hard to get by. They're expensive. For people um, who can't, who do have insurance in healthcare, it's hard enough for them to get them. So it's only, it's that much harder for people who don't have insurance. And also one of the major manufacturers um, Philips um, Respironics, uh, they had a recall on their machines and they've recalled, I think like three to 4 million um, already. And so that's taken off like a good portion of CPAP machines in the market. So there's that much stress on the manufacturers that can't. And so there's a huge shortage going on right now. Yeah, the, the Phillips thing is is huge. And I think you're right. I think it's three or four million machines, one of which is in my closet, by the way. I'm still waiting, <laughs> still waiting to see what's gonna happen with that. So along with this, and this is a 501c3, so donations are tax deductible. Mm -hmm. And you've already gone through that laborious process. I was very impressed by that. And you have a website, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, but you also have a, a blog. Tell us about your blog. Yeah, um, through, you know, interacting with patients in Hope to Breathe, I've seen a lot of um, older patients, seniors, who are still working to afford health care. Um, and it's like two things. It's, you know, health care is expensive and they're having trouble paying for it. And also, especially since COVID, um, a lot of seniors are afraid to retire because they're just so scared that if they have any health issue, any health-related problem, whether it's them or their spouse, um, they just don't know if they'll be able to afford it if they retire and they don't know what they're going to do and they're supporting their family. And um, yeah, and so I've just seen a lot of patients like that. And so I've just been interviewing them on a blog I'm creating to kind of hear their stories, hear their struggles. Everybody has a lot of different you know, they're in different occupations, they have different backgrounds, but it all kind of centers into the same, at least the biggest stress in their life. It's just healthcare anxiety regarding retiring and affording healthcare. And so, yeah, it's just hard to see a lot of seniors who've worked their entire life and, you know, great citizens, and they're still working 
not because they enjoy it, but purely because they have to afford healthcare and healthcare insurance and services like that. So I've just been interviewing them to kind of see their story and shed light on that. That's awesome. And there's no question that the, the cost of healthcare is growing and it's a growing problem. Uh, mm-hmm. And you see people all too often that are working that you can't help but think shouldn't be, shouldn't have to be. And I think you're right. I think one of the main reasons they do that is to be able to afford that kind of thing. If nothing else, medications, you know, the medications are so very expensive a lot of times. Yeah. So with the, the nonprofit, if I have, and I hope to have before too long, actually, but if I have a CPAP machine that might, be something I could donate. Uh, what do I need to do to the machine itself to be able to give it to you and 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 succeed with that? Um, you actually don't need to do anything to the machine itself. Just you know, gather all of it. If you have extra supplies like the tubing or the mask, which you know are sold separately usually, um, just take that with you because we actually do all the sanitizing. We check it. We do that after you've donated. So you just need to go to the website, um, uh, go to the contact donation part of the website and just enter an email and we'll send you directions to the donation drop-off location. Um, And you just drop it off there and then we take care of sanitizing and checking it to make sure it's in good condition to donate. Okay. And you mentioned nebulizers. And for people who may not be aware, a nebulizer is a machine that just pumps air into a container that has medication in it and you basically smoke it like a peace pipe and you just put it in your mouth and you just continually breathe this medication in and you've seen i'm sure folks have seen people use inhalers for asthma and lung disease and stuff and it's like that but when you use this nebulizer the medicine can get down in your lungs much better than it can with just using an inhaler uh, inhalers are a little bit tricky, take some coordination and so forth. And couldn't tell you how many times people use an inhaler in front of me. And when they open their mouth, all the medication just comes pouring out of their mouth, but the nebulizer is better than that. So nebulizers are a, a good thing for that as well. You mentioned wheelchairs and walkers. I think those are, are great things because everybody can use those. I did see, I was looking at some information about durable medical equipment and rollators are very popular. The the wheeled rollers that have a, a storage compartment and a seat on them. Those things are, I think, very good. Um, so that's a possibility as well, I bet. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that people might have laying around that might be in the realm that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, bedside commodes. Um, um, I think a um, scooter. Yeah, um, a scooter. Absolutely. Yeah. A wheelchair. It also, if, um, just anybody has questions, if something's donated, if they can donate or not, they can just, you know, they can email us and contact us. We'll email them quickly. I mean, there's, okay. a, there's almost a need for, there's a need for so much right now. And it's not just the Good Samaritan Clinic. We're like reaching out to other clinics. So there's like in Georgia. So there's a need for a lot of stuff anywhere. And so if they just reach out. We can clarify anything. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. So while you're mentioning that, tell us exactly how to contact you. You mentioned the website. So give us a web address and everything. If you're on Twitter, I don't care what it is. Give us all that. Yeah. Um, 
we're just on, we just have a website right now, but it's helptobreed.com. So help and the two is the number two. So H-E-L-P, the number two, B-R-E-A-T-H-E.com. And the email's there, the number's there. We have an Instagram. Um, the email is info at then help to breathe at gmail.com or help to be.com. And gotcha. yeah, it's okay. just super collaborative. And if anyone has any questions, we can respond to them and make this as easy of a process as possible. So go to help to breathe.com, look for the contact tab and fill out that, put it my email in there and you'll get back to us. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. do this. I'm going to see how long it takes you to get back to me. Okay. Okay. It's a test. Okay. John, John failed miserably when I did this with him, but oh. he, he's the only person I knew that could produce a podcast. So here I am. Um, yeah. All right. So anything else you want to tell us about the nonprofit or the blog or your mom? Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're looking for donations. Um, but also because we want to make the donating process as easy as possible and get them from as many places as possible. Right now, some things we're kind of looking for and we're looking out to community leaders and the community to help us with is we're looking for donation sites because obviously if somebody has one, you know, down in Atlanta, the only donation site or a solid donation site we have right now is the sheriff's office in Lumpkin County. So if somebody has a donation somewhere farther from that, they don't want to drive all the way to Jelanaga to donate something in a comfortable place. So we're looking for public comfortable places where people can donate um stuff um so we're just looking for more donation sites um so other sheriff's offices that could be a donation site um just where people drop off donations or churches or anything similar to that um that's something we're like looking for and we're looking out to the community to that if they want help because yeah well i think i think people will because most people have have had a loved one who's older and had to use some of this equipment. And as I say those words, I have a walker at home and I have CPAP at home. So I must be one of those older people already. I think I actually am. That's not good. That's not good. I'm counting on your mom keeping me around for a long time though. Well, Pallavi, thank you so much. Say that again. I said, we need you. So yes, (laughs) I'm going to be here. I'm, and I'm not retiring. If you've heard the rumor that I'm retiring, everybody, just whoever's telling you that doesn't know what they're talking about. I'm having too much fun. Life is too good. I'm not retiring. Besides, Peg would kick, kick me out of the house in no time flat if I was there all the time. I'm pretty sure of that. So, John, I think that's what we've got on uh, Help to Breathe. Well, that that was really inspiring. And th- thank you again, Pallavi, for the great work you're doing and, and uh, how you're going out of your way to help people. It, it, uh, and be so aware of that need at such an early age. I mean, what percentage of kids at Denmark high school or any high school, all the high schools are doing this? Well, I mean, my mom's, you know, she would take me on rounds when she was little. So I've always been around patients. I've always been volunteering in nursing homes. So it's just kind of something I was really drawn to, to helping people. And, um, I don't know. I think sometimes when you're a high schooler and when you're younger and you hear all this stuff going on, especially now with COVID and everything, it just, you can feel a little helpless and it's very hard. So um, just being able to do something or anything is like, it can feel really great and really amazing. And having my mom and other physicians and advisors who are willing to help me 
has been an amazing um, addition through all of this. Um, and so, you know, we have other high school ambassadors who are also helping. And I think sometimes person, when you hear all of this, you can feel a little bit helpless or like everything's passing by and you don't really have, you can't offer much. And so um, just being able to do anything, whether it's um, donating or making connections, it's just been a wonderful experience. And I've learned a lot, especially about our community. You know, we've been invited to Rotary Clubs. I got to meet Dr. Morrow and other physicians through my mom. Um, we got to meet with different community leaders and churches. And actually on Monday, we went to the state capitol to talk to um, Mr. Brad Bohannon, a policymaker. And so just getting to really get grounded in our community, in our state, and everybody who's being so passionate and wanting to help us and wanting to be involved. It only fuels, you know, that desire to help, especially regardless if I'm young or I'm old. It just feels really good just to have everybody's support and to actually make an impact, whether it's one donation or hopefully multiple more, multiple more donations. It just feels really good. And, yeah. Well, John used the word inspiring, and that's exactly what it is. Okay. I'm just I'm, I'm very impressed. Very impressed. And I hope people will be moved to look in the closet and find something that Aunt Sally used a couple of years ago and 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 donate it because other people can use it and they certainly need to. Absolutely. So, so John, I think for now that's to your health. 